Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 148 of the Savage and Christ Sports Podcast. Here for you on another Wednesday night, uh, June 21st at 7.09 p.m. With some breaking news uh, with the Bruins, we were originally going to start the show with Patriots uh Celtics then Bruins but um with the Celtics trade not finalized yet and the Bruins having some news drop uh recently uh, along with tons of NHL content as the offseason starts to heat up we got to start with Bruins but before we get to anything I welcome my co-host what's up Ryan uh it's crazy that's what's up like you said we were gonna start with Patriots. Then I was going to ask you maybe before we jump on here, if we do Celtics, because we have the potentially breaking Celtics trade stuff on a big trade today that like you said, is not official yet. Um, And then that gets pushed to the back burner because of a uh, not troublesome, maybe to some, but definitely an interesting Bruins tidbit that breaks. Thankfully, right before we jump on, because like we talk about all the time, usually those things happen right after Uh, I'm sure the Celtics trade will finally go official probably two minutes after we get on out of here. Hopefully, I got clear skies. I hope you do too. We're not going to get cut off by any sort of power outages again or anything like that, like last week. Um, but I'm good. Things are happening. Uh, it's an exciting time getting all, like you said, all the breaking news and everything and uh, quite a bit to talk about tonight. Yeah. And like we were talking about, uh, Fluter Shinzawa dropped an article 54 minutes ago on The Athletic with some uh, pretty spicy tidbits in it about what he's hearing about the Bruins lately uh, with their pursuit of cap space, trade candidates, Bergeron Krejci, and more. Um, and look, it's not one to make you opt- more optimistic about this offseason. I'll, I'll spoil it right there because <laughs> not only if you're a Matt Grizzlick fan does it hurt, as he might be expected to be the first one as a cap casualty, uh, we get a pretty pretty damning paragraph about the 
future or potential future of Bergeron and Krejci on this team. Um, he says Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci have yet to declare their plans for 2023-24. One teammate who requested anonymity because of his respect for Bergeron and Krejci told the Athletic he's not counting on either of them being back. And you told me, which I didn't even think of, that you think this anonymous teammate is Brad Marchand, and I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I'm sure all the players have respect for the two guys that have been there the longest in Bergeron and Krejci, but like that was what just stood out to me is their whole respect thing. It was like he, he's been there just as long as they have, pretty much. Uh, so, and I feel like he would know too, like if Bergeron, it's the first player Bergeron's going to reach out to, if he's going to, you know, behind the scenes announce that he's probably done, I'd have to assume it's Marchand. So, Marchand probably knows, but. Like, and then, too, like, who else on that team do you really think, like, you could not trust, but McAvoy you get where I'm coming from. The... Yeah, like, McAvoy's the only other one, maybe, like, Pasternak, too, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, to me, just kind of screamed And I'm surprised. We talked about it right before we jumped on here. Like, I think you and I are both in agreement that we, if we had to pick one of them, like, Krejci, I think, was the was the clear-cut, you know, kind of lost a step or definitely lost a step at the end of last season. Really didn't provide anything for you down the stretch. If someone was going to go, you figured it'd be him. But I thought at least Bergeron – um, and again, you know, maybe this isn't hundred percent true. We don't know yet. Of course, this is all just speculation, but like you think after how last year ended, he want to come back and give it at least one more kick at the can. You brought up the good point that, you know, maybe he'll walk away as a sulky winner now. Um, so maybe that'll sway him to, you know, kind of stay away, but it is definitely interesting. Um, the Grizzly thing too, like, I think you've talked about it before. The writing was probably on the wall with him, um, you know, sitting those games, of the playoff stretch. I think that probably doesn't sit well with him. So he might be looking for a change of scenery there. Um, I thought as we'll get into a little later, like you said, there's a lot of brewing stuff. The first move might be to move uh, a certain goalie because of a contract extension that was handed out this week that we'll get into. But it, I mean, Grizzly, it does make sense. Um, as you said to me right, right before we jumped on here, he's the easier of the guys to move and probably the more desirable for a team looking to get some sort of defensive help. Absolutely. And like I told you before, that we've talked about before, if you're trading one of your uh, left-handed defense, that isn't Mike Riley. Matt Grizzlick has much more value than Derek Foreman mm-hmm. would. Yep. Um, not by like a ton, but definitely, definitely more, definitely more of a coveted. Yeah, it can do more, help on the power play. Like at that point, it comes down to do you value power play help or penalty kill help more? And I feel yeah. like a lot of people would value the power play side of things more so than not. Yeah. And um, yeah, Grizzlick's just a great transition defender. Um, my big thing for so long now has been I've thought for a while Creechie's going to retire or more likely of the two. And Bergeron would see that because I think Krejci's going to, you know, hopefully make his decision first. That's what it sounded like after the season two, and it's been a long time. Um, That's what I was going to say too. But after you done, my thing is, I'd be really shocked if Bergeron retired if Krejci retires because that just leaves such a massive hole. Mm-hmm. And if that happened, it's because he absolutely has to. Look yeah, his health, age, he's got another kid. His dad is sick. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, thing to consider. Well, any of those factors, you can obviously respect that. Um, but man, it's going to be really surprising if Krejci goes, if Bergeron also goes. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like I have to imagine this anonymous teammate is Marshawn, and I, I got to side with Marshawn if that's the case here. Obviously, we don't mm-hmm. know, but what a what a bombshell well potential yeah bombshell. right now Absolutely. in the moment it is but it might not end mm-hmm. up being down the road but mm-hmm. my god uh pretty severe ramifications uh for the offseason if this ends up happening and both Bergeron and Krejci ride off after a first round exit um and just 
enough is enough. Like they just can't, they just can't play anymore. And that mm-hmm. would suck. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I think losing one of them and losing Krejci, that the, the easiest decision is to move Zaka into that spot. You bring Bergeron back for one more year and you're kind of all set. Like it's an easier move. But now, like you said, if you lose both of them, yeah, you still have the Zaka move to center to replace Krejci, but you have literally nothing probably for your first leg, unless you want to give one of the young guys a chance, but there's obviously huge questions there. Who steps up? You know, I've seen people will say Coyle, but we've seen Coyle in that role before. And he just is not cut out to be a top line center, a great player, but he's, he, he is what he is is a third line center and does that role really well. So it almost kind of for it. Like, if this is true again, we don't know. Um, but you got to think if it's a player within the organization, like they're, they're going to know more than we do, obviously. Uh, like you said, it definitely creates a whole lot more questions and it, it feels like it forces their hand to do something drastic almost where you have to move again. Like I said, yeah. kind of alluded to maybe an old mark for probably a top line center now or something along the lines of that. Right. Like I said, we'll jump yeah, into trade stuff later on. Thing. Nobody's given up a top line center for a goalie, even if they won True. 40 games. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I think, you know, I don't love coil in the top six if you can avoid it, but you could do a lot worse as your second line center. I imagine True. Yep. Zaka would go first line. Mm-hmm. Um, then Charlie Coyle. And then I imagine unless a guy like Georgie Merkulov really comes in and impresses and they think of him as a center more so than a winger after a really good rookie season. Um, I think Trent Frederick's your third line center. Yeah. You and, bring him back. Be a, I mean, a we've seen him play both switch. position, but he's, he's thrived at center, mainly fourth line in the past. So mm-hmm. maybe that's good for him, but I think a lot of the reason he thrived was from playing with Coil, so maybe they want to keep that together. Yeah, don't break maybe, that up. I imagine that ups the ante of I'll spoil one of our trade candidates they could go after in Elias Lindholm because Calgary's going to want to extend him, but he also wants to know that they're going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for Horvat money, which is 8 by 68 I'm perfectly fine with giving him that. Um, maybe not the years as much, but you got to give to get. Um, exactly, yep. And you can, you know, structure out how the money is balanced out, you know, front load it, and then, you know, it's a little cheaper down the end in real cash. Um, But, man, that really throws a corkscrew in things. And, you know, maybe your foot's to the fire in that regard. And Merkulov's that guy. You start him out in a third-line role. Like a guy that left after being a freshman stud at Ohio State, plays one year in the AHL, and then he's a third-line center. Like, talk about um, an upwards trajectory in a fast manner. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. but yeah, other than that in the article, uh, something else we expected, um, he noted that Clifton is set to walk. Makes a lot of sense. I saw yep. Charlie O'Connor was projecting some options to the Flyers. He's the Flyers writer for the Athletic, and his projection or the Athletic's projection, I'm not sure what it was, for Clifton was 3 by 3.14 per year. The Bruins just can't do that. No, um, they've already no got way. $13.6 million combined per year tied up in McAvoy and Carlo, adding a just over $3 million defender is a lot to invest in your right side of your defense. Mm-hmm. And the right side of the defense is very commoditized these days, more so than the left side. Um, so Clifton is going to get paid as expected. He's probably going to be gone. Nick Foligno will probably be gone. Orlov, no sec, even though Orlov was training on Instagram um, in his Bruins stuff. But Garden Hathaway might not quite be gone because Elliot Friedman said today, um, I'm kind of surprised by this, that, not only are the Bruins aggressively trying to keep Bertuzzi and blowing up the phone lines right now, trying to make moves with, you know, this now tying into the Grizzly thing, like he could be the first one to go. Mm-hmm. They're also making a priority to potentially keep Garnet Hathaway. And that could be for a year, or that could be one of those these typical three to four year cheaper money deals 
you see like a Sean Corrali deal or a Curtis Lazard deal um, when he went to Vancouver. Can we see that for Garnet Hathaway? I like Garnet Hathaway, but I hope not. Because yeah, you're already I've... strapped. Mm-hmm. You've moved on from fourth liners in the past. And the one time you kept a fourth liner for multiple years, it was Chris Wagner, who's been in the minors. Who's rotting in Providence, yeah. Yeah, and now a free agent. I don't like the sound of that. Hathaway was fine in the regular season, disappeared in the playoffs. I think he was playing mm-hmm. hurt, too, after that cross-check from Kachuk. Seemed like, yeah. I don't like the idea of keeping Hathaway around. He's, I think him and Orlov should be pure rentals, mm-hmm. and you need to get younger on that fourth line. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that you got to, you got to give your young guys a chance at some point to see what you have. Like, I don't want to say that fourth line could be a revolving door this year of young guys. Cause that's just not sustainable, but like, you got to pick a couple of guys. And like, I, I was talking with my uncle down, put down the cave about this. And he kind of said that he's like, just make the whole fourth line, you know, three of your better players from Providence, bring them up, see what you got. And, you know, some of these young guys, cause you're going to have to give them a chance at some point. So I think this year when you have, you know, severe question marks and strapped for cash like it would not be a wise decision to bring you know a, a pure fourth liner back just to kind of have that role and be making up you know money and, and, and taking roles away from guys like I said you kind of have to figure out what you have in in some of these young guys yeah absolutely and Mark McLaughlin amongst those young guys will he step into a third line role will he get a chance maybe but I think mm-hmm. he's more of a fourth line guy because I yep. don't see Tomas Nosa coming back those are really the main things he talks about some of the other guys like uh, they brought in low ride Poitra and extended Bussy, uh, potentially a tandem of Swayman and Bussy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Lauco needs a bit of a raise. Frederick needs a bit of a raise. But a lot of the stuff is just status quo. But the big bombshell was definitely um, the biggest thing to note about um, the latest Bruins news we've gotten. But other than that, um, excuse me, Brandon Bussy was given a one-year contract extension. Uh, your potential backup next year. I uh, had a phenomenal year in Providence. Um, as a rookie, one of the best goalies in the whole league. Uh, that'd be a really nice cheap backup option. Um, I love Olmark, but if you're given Swayman like $4 million, um, if he warrants that, you got $9 million tied up in your goalies versus like closer to $5 million if you have Swayman and Bussy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I imagine you're in the same boat, but are you, are you comfortable thrusting Bussy into that role? Yeah, because I think you saw that Swayman can carry the the boatload of the, of the rules last year. He was good and good down the stretch, stuff like that. Like, and again, it comes down to you, you're going to have to crunch numbers at some point. Like, yeah, you don't want to get rid of Allmark after you know having such a great season, but he's going to have to at least for me. Like, it would be smart to make him one of the cap casualties because again, this kid was good for Providence last year. Um, the 22 wins was an all-star. I don't know how much people read into that when you're an AHL all-star, but it is worth mentioning. Um, so he. Seemingly proves he can play the position. Like the Bruins think obviously highly of him to have this contract offer given to him. Uh, I'm fine with it. He seems like money wise, youth, uh, you know, age wise, the perfect kind of backup to to give. He, and two, you have to give Swayman the reins at some point. Like you can't imagine he's gonna, you know, want to sign a contract to be the backup for you know however long his contract might be and however long if you do keep Allmark, he's still around here for. So you gotta, like, I don't want to say pull the plug on that, but you know where I'm getting at. Like at some point, you yeah, have absolutely. to fully turn things over to Swayman. To kind of just kind of give him the the comfort to say you're our guy moving forward, like we have, you know, all the chips on the table for you, that type of thing. Yeah, and down there in Providence, they have Mikey DiPietro, who they traded for. They mm-hmm. can bring back Kyle Kieser, DiPietro, and Kieser both RFAs, and they could even bring in uh, Reed Dick, who they uh, drafted last Ooh, year. If they feel tough like name. he's ready, tough name. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll monitor that. Um, it's very possible that. Olmark has traded if he waives his um, trade protection. So we'll, you know, monitor that if it comes about. Um, 
another interesting guy in the market is now Oliver Ackman Larson, who the Coyotes got fucked by in this deal because they retained salary on the original trade to Vancouver. And now that he's bought out by Vancouver, they lose a salary retention slot for the whole duration of that buyout, which is eight years. Oh, God. So they got two for the next eight years instead of three. I imagine OEL is going to be looking for like a one-year bounce-back deal unless somebody's mm-hmm. willing to give them term. I don't know if any teams really will. I don't know why they mm-hmm. would. Um, <clears throat> but that's a guy, if he bounces back on a cheap deal, one year he could get paid next summer. The cap is projected to potentially jump 5 to $10 million next summer. Um, you know, if, you, if you're the Bruins, you can get him for like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. and play him on the third pairing to, you know, kind of take some pressure off a guy like Zabor who might have to step up, Mason Lowry, you can let him marinate a little bit more. I think that's something worth monitoring. And Ekin Larson had interest in coming here back when the Coyotes were originally trying to trade him. So unless something's changed, he likes it here. And he's lost a step in his stride. But um, <clears throat> I believe it was this was Friedman as well was talking about how he's really – focusing on getting that speed back because you know for a while in the nhl he was one of the better skating defensemen in the league uh but that just hasn't been the case in the last few years and a multiple 20 goal scorer as a defenseman so if you can get any production for him in a third line role for any team maybe team like florida too Mm -hmm. and then he bounces back you're laughing so i wonder if the bruins explore this and i wouldn't really hate them for doing it especially because probably it sounds like at this point grizzly and riley are the two left shot defensemen to move Mm-hmm. and you might need that extra support. If you can fit it in, I don't see why you wouldn't, but it's going to be tough to make any outside additions with uh, the strapped cap situation the Bruins have right now. Yeah, you got to figure something out there, but I'm with you. I wouldn't hate that. I mean, like, it'd have to be, like you said, dirt cheap almost to, to make it work, but if you can pull it like, and then too, you got to think, I mean, we don't expect the Bruins to be awful next season, but let's say they are, you know, they do make this move and they are out of the, you know, the, the playoffs by the trade deadline, like maybe not the worst piece to move like just something yeah. to think of down the line, you know, worst case scenario, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I would do this if it becomes available and you can get them at a, uh, a very, very cheap price. Yeah. Cause I, I don't really see him breaking the bank for any team. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth period linked the Bruins to Kevin Hayes in their recent trade board. I think part of this is because, you know, he played at Boston college from the area, yep. but um, Bruins love their local guys. The Bruins do and might need a top six center. And they almost, the Flyers almost traded him to Columbus a couple weeks ago. Maybe the Bruins can get a third party or, and or Philly to retain a good chunk of this and bring Kevin Hayes in. Um, I like him as a BC guy. I have my complaints about him at times. Um, he's not the best skater. And, you know, at times, even his college career, didn't really love playing defense, but he's a good player. And he finally was healthy for the first time last year, he missed one game after playing like 40, 50, 60 game seasons, the last three seasons before, if you can get him at the right price, especially with, um, Bergeron and Krejci both potentially retiring, you got to at least explore Kevin Hayes. Cause the what would that price be? Now, you think you might have to pay a little more for, you know, depending on the salary retention, but like, I don't know. Cause like they really don't have picks. That's what I mean. You don't have a lot of picks to give off. So what exactly like, so is that a Mac Grizzly deal? I was going to ask that. Is that a one for one type of swap thing? You throw some extra Grizzly a part of that deal. Maybe you throw in 
I imagine the Flyers would ask for a guy like Lysel in a deal like that, mm-hmm. at least to see if they can get him. Yeah, try to pry him free. Down. Yep. Because you have to kind of be creative if you're the Flyers and talk to the Bruins here because they don't have a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. So do they want a 2025 first? Does Don Sweeney want to just give it up, say fuck it at this point because they doesn't yep. have his next two? I don't know, but I think a Kevin Hayes deal can work. And um, the Flyers are trying to get another first. And if that involves a Kevin Hayes deal, they're out of luck. They're trying to get a third first round pick, but maybe they're trying to get that third first round pick. Um, mm-hmm. And the Travis Konechny deal. We know the Detroit Red Wings are in the mix and some other teams are certainly uh, going to be in the mix on him. Do you have any additional thoughts on Kevin Hayes as a potential Bruin? Not really. Like I kind of just alluded to, I'm very curious to see what a deal could even look like just because like you said, you don't have a lot of picks to throw out Philadelphia's way. So now you're, you're talking players. And again, that falls back to which young guys could you maybe want to or have to give up in this type of deal and isn't even worth it at that point. But it, it is an interesting point you bring up. Like you said, if both Krejci and Bergeron go, you're going to need a top six center. So yeah, maybe it's something you explore at the right price, excuse me, right price you pull the trigger on. Um, and just kind of hope it works out in the end. Exactly. Uh, Milan Lucic has been granted permission to talk to teams. I know for a fact um, him and his wife both want to come back here. Um, but now with this Bergeron Krejci stuff, would he want to come back? What do you want to Yeah. No. Is Pasternak enough? Is Marchand enough? Maybe. Maybe he just wants to be back because he loves the city regardless. Uh, but Pierre Lebrun mentioned this as well. Um, he talked to Lucci and Lucci said, obviously it's a special place for me and will always be a special place for me. Um, but we've got 10, 11 days to see what happens before July 1st. Uh, we'll see what happens and then go from there. So Lucci just testing the waters, you know, with this turmoil right now with the Bruins, I imagine he looks at a team like, I don't know, like Colorado loses a top winger in Landeskog. You know, this is a depth piece, not like a top six winger replacement, but just tries to go to a team where he can fill a void on the left side and potentially win a cup. Um, but I don't know. I love the Lucic idea. I know he's slowed down, but he's a fan favorite. He's so fun to watch still, even though, you know, he has slowed down. Um, and I love him. So like, if you can get him at 775 K, fuck it. Like he's your veteran fourth line to like Felino was, but better. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm torn about this when I'm with you. I love Lucic when he was here originally, but it kind of goes back to what I just said about like, at some point you have to start, filling some of these roster spots with some young guys exactly. just to see what you have. And like, that's, that's what, the what's tough is like, again, yeah. Milan Lucic still has something to bring to the table. Um, but again, you're taking away a roster spot. I was curious too. I went back and looked at that tweet. Cause I wanted to see if it said a current Bruins teammate just as one teammate. So maybe, you know, current, I was throwing my conspiracy theory hat and maybe like it was Lucic was the one that had the comment. Like, Oh, I checked in with the oh, Bruins to that. see if, uh, yeah if it was worth coming there or not. And then I found out Bergeron and Krejci are both retiring. So now I'm kind of pushing off of wanting to come home and play. Like just something to think about. Like if you don't want to throw any current Bruins players under the bus, uh, maybe it's an outside former teammate that has this information. Know. It's possible, but, but man, like. It would be fun though. He, like, sorry to cut you off. Hold on. He would be an awesome mentor for guys like McLaughlin. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The Frederick. thing I was going to say too. Yeah, that's a good another good one too. I mean, we saw Frederick grow would not be as much as, a, as of an idiot as he was two years, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. So I mean, that would obviously help that along the lines too. Um, to me though, too, it's like this is a move you definitely make if like you know you're going to suck this upcoming year and like oh we need something to get people you know to come to the garden and watch games. Let's bring Milan Lucic back because everyone loved him. Um, 
Uh, that's obviously not where they are right now. Like they're not screaming for desperation or anything, but yeah. that's just something to keep in mind too. If things start to take a turn south, then maybe you, not that I'm saying the Bruins are going to pivot to just start selling everyone off, but maybe something to keep in mind. If the offseason doesn't go as maybe they want it to, maybe that's a name you look at just to kind of, you know, grace things over a little bit, kind of like the Red Sox do when they make these little minor moves to make people happy. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, Lucic back, like, if you don't think that would be cool just from having him, like, yeah, they take the dump out of your pants. Mm-hmm, yeah. Everybody loves Milan Lucic for what he did here. Like, mm-hmm. and if you don't, I think you're honestly crazy. Um, my dad is kind of one of those people. So sorry, dad, but really, um, what's he, the reason for he didn't, like hate Lucic, but I don't think he loved him at times mm-hmm. back in the day, maybe more so in his like final years here, but uh, I'd okay. have to rehash that with him. See, my um, uncle was on the Krejci side of that. He always was one of those people that was, like, wicked overpaid for what he does. Oh, like, yeah, I was so. when I was really young, too. Because mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, he kind of coasted around at times he did. Yep. But, you know, when it counted, he didn't. Um, exactly. Next priorities, could they buy out Mike Riley? We've talked about it. I think it's very possible. I think it'd be mm-hmm. smart. But if you can dump him, dump him. Um, and maybe Mitchell Miller. Mitchell Miller is a much more complicated case. It's not just going to be a straight buyout. I'm not sure what the ramifications are. I don't think. They oh, that's right. I forgot. He's still under contract. Technically. I wonder if there's a way that there could be some sort of like, not like a grievance, but some sort of clause where like the contract just gets voided. Voided. Yeah. The player, the situation, but I can't imagine Mitchell Miller is under contract with this team come the fall. So one more- that's something to monitor. Hmm. I didn't really catch. To be honest, I muted my mic when the mic the uh, motorcycle drove by my house at a hundred, and I realized it didn't. It would mute you too, so I didn't really catch the end of your. Uh, your oh yeah, comment I just there. think it's. I just think it's something to monitor because yeah. I have a hard time seeing him on this team next year. And, no, that'd be um, such a bad to, look. Like to verbal meme the Adam Silver meme. Um, Mitchell Miller, get ready to learn Russian, buddy, because you're probably going yeah. to KHL. Because some yep. KHL team will sign him because he's really good. He's a mm-hmm. really good prospect. He's a really good offensive defenseman. But the kid's a fucking maniac and doesn't yep. really have great, you know, social skills or um, ability That's to show sure. remorse. No. As Mark Diver said on uh, the Skate Podcast about a month ago, uh, WEI's hockey podcast, like he was like shocked at how like how Mitchell Miller carried himself because he was one of the few people that talked to him that one day mm-hmm. Miller was practicing um, or at least on the Providence ice. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm shocked. Like how this kid operates. Like, it's just bizarre. He just he's doesn't get psycho. it. Yeah. Um, not even much as much as psycho. He just like, doesn't mm-hmm. have a good head on his shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, but that could be a complicated situation. I'm not sure all the ramifications there, um, but back to, uh, you know, Bruins we care about. Um one thing I forgot to mention with Tyler Bertuzzi and Vladislav Gavrikov did this. He took a two-year deal at you know more money than he probably should have made. Would this be the case with the Bruins and their cast face? No, maybe they just give him a bridge deal to you know give him an opportunity to cash out in a couple of years. I wonder if they can do a two-year pact with Bertuzzi um, to make it work. And you know, especially if Bergeron and Krejci back, I don't really think he'd be interested if both of them retired. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but. I don't think this will happen, but I wonder if they bring it up to him. I didn't even think of it. I wonder just how much now that this is out there in the world that these two might retire, how much that's going to affect guys wanting to come back. Like now, like all indications seem like obviously the Bruins are, like you said earlier, pushing hard, you know, making every phone call, trying to get as much money as they could to bring Bertuzzi back. Now with this looming, does 
he even like what like that's uh, kind of where I'm at like now you, the doom and gloom starts to set in uh, like is all this this effort gonna be for not knowing that that's why like I think too like or I I know it's a player that is inside you know close with the team but like I just I can't until it happens I can't wrap my head around Bergeron retiring especially like you said if Krejci does because like I that's gonna put them in such a bad spot and put them at such a disadvantage in everything they do this offseason so and it's the centennial season too don't you think Bergeron would like didn't even think of that either that? you would think yeah i don't know but like that would like be a, like, about, he's got tons of life factors mm-hmm. so it's more complicated than it may think outside of his skill and ability absolutely still. yep but i don't know i kind of wonder like because i think bergeron and i hope Krejci will have the decision by july 1st mm-hmm. you gotta hope you can get elias lindholm if they announce within the next week and then you'd be like hey you know, we lost Bergeron and Krejci, but we got a really good center for you to play with. Yep. You get to either play with Zaka or Elias Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Um, please stay. Somehow we'll That's the thing work. that's worrisome, too, though, is I forgot to say that, is how long this has taken. You mentioned that earlier, too. Yeah. The... the thing that's interesting to me that I totally forgot about that was mentioned in Fluto's article is until the, until the day the season starts or something like around then, you can exceed the cap by 10%. Okay, you don't know that. So that gives the Bruins some leeway. I imagine they don't want to even use that because, mm-hmm. you know, you lose leverage if you're trying to clear that space to get under the 10% over um, overage, I guess is the word, a good word for it here. But yep. something, something to think about because I mm-hmm. feel like nobody really talks about that and some people might not know that. So I definitely um, didn't. That's pretty interesting. Um, another center option, much less likely, I think, that was, you know, it's been speculated and was thrown out a potential proposal for this um, player was the disgruntled Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I love the player. I don't love him at $9 million, but I love the player. Um, If you can get him around 8.25 for eight years, do it. Um, The proposal was a 2025 first, 2023 third, and Mason Lowry for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's going to be signed and traded. He is 25, 26. I'm doing that trade. You don't have picks, first round picks in these upcoming years. He's 24. Mm-hmm. He'll be 20, 25. When's his birthday? Uh, let's see. Because I, th- I think I heard recently his birthday's in like July. Oh, it's June 24th. So three days. A couple days. Yeah. That's my brother, besides a few years. Um, he's going to be 25, eight years. You got to do that, especially if Bergeron and Creature are going to retire now. Yeah, that's that's the fit. Yep. Do you want to give up another first round pick? No, but at the same time, this team is. Do never you want to give up rebuild. a def- Yeah, like they're going to want to contend, and if they lose hmm. Bergeron and Krejci, Jacobs is going to be down Don Sweeney's throat to get Elias Lindholm or Pierre Luc Dubois. You got to do something. Yep, absolutely. If they start losing trade. defensemen, does that change it? Like you're now your defensive, like you trade Grizzly, you move up, you move Mike Riley, who's obviously, you know, just kind of a piece. He's not going to be here long term. Um, but you know, you start losing some of these defensemen, maybe they look to get out, out from Forbert. Like, does that change your mind about trading a defensive prospect? Or are you just full on like a little bit, but like a, a bona fide top six center for eight years that yeah, hasn't it, even entered his that time, outweighs it, yeah. Outweighs it. I would hate to give up low ride, but if you have to do it, I mean the, the third round pick this year, they don't have a first or a second. Like who gives a mm-hmm. shit? Like they just don't yeah. make picks this year. It's whatever. 
Yep. Their Just throw this year away. You got nothing for prospects. Core isn't going to be revolutionized by the draft this year with the lack mm-hmm. of picks, unless they, you know, trade Olmark or Hall for some, you know, a second or two um, in okay. the next week leading up to the draft. I do this trade. I do. I absolutely do. I think, like you said, if both walk, you pretty much almost have to. Like, you have to do something. You can't go into next season, like we talked about, with Zaka as your, again, good players, but if you go into next season as Zaka as your de facto number one center and Coyle as your two, like, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Unless you yeah. knock it out of the park with some of these minor free agent signings that they may or may not make. Pierre Dubois is a perfect Bruins playoff center. If he's not in a, in a situation like Columbus or Winnipeg, and he's locked up. I don't think he's going to have any more of these issues of wanting out of these places. He wants to go to Montreal. That's easier said than done. If they can make it worth financial work financial, which I'm not sure they can, um, you have to make a trade for Pierre Dubois. But I'm not getting my hopes up because their cap situation is so convoluted this year. I don't think they could make it work. But mm. if for some goddamn reason they can, they have to go after Pierre Dubois. And it's kind of the same thing with Lindholm. Like, it's not going to affect you this year because he's making less money, but you're going to have to give Lindholm an extension that's, you know, hopefully going to be made easier by a huge cap jump. But you got to monitor these things. But Dubois is a lot harder to, you know, envision because he is an RFA right now. You're giving him that eight-plus million right away. So it's a fun thought, and I would do that trade in a heartbeat at this rate. But – I don't know if it's going to happen, but it is an interesting thought. Um, Absolutely. Yep. As we transition into more NHL stuff too, for anybody who didn't see, because it is ESPN plus not everybody has it. They did throw out some interesting trades in this article. One was Connor Hellebuck to the Los Angeles Kings for Blake Lazat, Tobias Bjorn fought um, a second in this year's draft and the 2021st last year, 2024 first ne- next year, rather. Um, that'd be a really interesting trade. Pretty big blockbuster. Um, Eric Carlson to the Dallas Stars for a 2023 second, 2023 fourth. I imagine there'd be some salary retention here, but maybe not for reasons I'm going to explain in a second. Thomas Harley, who I love, um, Ayrton Martino, who's a prospect, and Roddick Foxa. Maybe that uh, salary from Foxa offsets the money a little bit. That would be wild. Um, Haskin and Carlson, Robertson, Hints, freaking Pavelski, power play. Good luck. Um, that would be fucking ridiculous. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's another um, top six center option potentially for the Bruins, at 25% retained. And Nick Jensen to the Hurricanes for Brett Pesci, Tavo Teravainen, and a 2024 second. Um, the Red Wings and Hurricanes make a deal for Dabrinkit. Dabrinkit to Detroit for Carter Mazur. Um, a 2023 first, which is uh, the New York Islanders Vancouver pick, and a 2023 second. And then the last one was uh, the Dubois trade. Actually, not the last one. The last one was Shifley in the third in 2024 to Minnesota for Carson Lambos, the 21st pick, the 2024 second, and Freddie Goudreau. So pretty spicy if you're into the whole mm. hypothetical trades aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I figured those were you know worth mentioning because you know it's off season, it's trade speculation season, and uh, maybe not everybody saw that article. So. Pretty wild ones, I got to be honest. But um, mm-hmm. on top of that, there's tons going on, tons, tons, tons going on in the NHL. Uh, yes, we're broad stuck around in New Jersey, eight year, sixty three million, six round, sixty three million, just like a Jersey number. Um, Sean Monahan stays for a bounce back deal in Montreal for just under two million. Um, 
Buffalo keeps them because Gergensen's around for a year at 2.5 and Lucas Ruschek uh, for two years. There's a nice depth piece for them. Brett Pesci, who we just mentioned, could be on the move if he can't ex- agree to an extension with the Hurricanes. Edmonton and Buffalo have already restri- uh, expressed interest. Uh, L.A. and Montreal are the leading suitors for Pierre Dubois, but they aren't the only landing spots. Um, a sign-in trade is likely, like I said earlier, I think $9 million is crazy. Uh, Timo Meyer was looking for, I think, more than $9 million with San Jose, but it's going to arbitration. Uh, but there is belief he wants to sign long-term with New Jersey. That's going to be a tough one to iron out, I think. Alex DeBrinkett, who was traded last year and we know wants to trade again, has given his list of teams a likely sign-in trade that could happen before the draft. Um, has interest in Dallas, Nashville, Vegas. Don't see that happening. Their cap situation is hell. Uh, mm-hmm. Detroit and Florida, according to um, Bruce Garriott, who's a big Ottawa media guy. Uh, Detroit's also linked to Travis Konechny, as we said earlier. Um, any thoughts on any of these names? Not really. I just find it funny that Alex DeBrinkett, it seems like, is always in some sort of trade talk. Looks like the guy just cannot get out of that, which is, like I said, kind of funny. It was a bad omen, and I mentioned this in a TikTok I made about it last year. It was kind of interesting that when they made that trade, there weren't any talks leading up to the trade of an extension. So yeah, it kind of felt like a bad It doesn't omen. bode well, yeah. But they took That a seems risk, like something you should out. nail out before you agree to make the trade with the Like, hey, this guy's a flight risk. We might want to yeah. um, kind of nail him down here and see. Which is kind of weird that he wouldn't want to sign it with a team like Ottawa that's on the rise. But that's, know, yeah. Could be a star uh, player in that offense, so that just team yeah. Enti- entirely. Yeah, but what can you do? Uh, it sucks for them. They gave him a one, a two, and a three for him last year, the one being the seventh overall pick, Christ sakes. Um, speaking of the New Jersey Devils, Connor Hellebuck indicated that he would be willing to sign long-term, but he's looking for Andre Vasilevsky money, which is $9.5 million a year. That is fucking bananas That's for a goalie. wild, yeah. I would not pay that to any goalie. No. Um but that's going to complicate things, especially with Jesper Bratz extension um, and Timo Meyer's impending extension. So good luck to New Jersey. If they want to make that work, they're going to have to get that dollar to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah Hannafin, their Boston guy, we were talking about Kevin Hayes earlier, will not be staying in Calgary long-term, as may not Elias Lindholm. Tyler Toffoli could be on the move. They, uh, Darren Drigger said he could be traded. Um, Mikhail Backlund, although he wants to stay, Noah Hannafin will not stay long-term. They're exploring trade options. Lots of interest in him. Uh, Patrick Nemeth and Zach Cassian were bought out by Arizona. And somewhat surprisingly, they're going to try and be more competitive. Uh, Makes sense to keep fans more invested as they're in turmoil. Um, They have so many picks, so they're going to try and turn some of these picks into players, you know, that are, you know, solid enough to help them. But, you know, some teams are trying to move for cap reasons. Maybe Taylor Hall reunion is one of those. (laughs) I doubt it. Maybe they want Linus Allmark. I doubt it, but they both have trade protection. It probably wouldn't accept a trade to either of those teams. So Can't just throwing imagine. it out for funsies. A name I'm looking at for them is Victor Arvidsson. LA needs to move cap. And I could see Victor Arvidsson being a coyote in the next couple of weeks. Um, O'Reilly in Toronto is not totally out of the question um, as Brad Tree Living is going to try to keep him around. Makes a lot of sense. He was a good fit there. And he really kind of left the door open to that being a rental. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets might be buying out Blake Wheeler, but there is some trade interest. Um, makes a lot of sense. It's going to be so hard to trade an $8.25 million contract for like a 34-year-old player yeah. who's declining. Just buy him out. It's two years. Like, who cares? Just yeah. The guy hates your team. The just bullet. buy him out. Like, just buy him out. Um, the guy he, hates your team. He doesn't want to be there. He hates you. Yeah, he hates everyone. Especially 
you have Dubois, Shifley, and Hellybuck that are way more tradable assets. Like just mm-hmm. copy it with the one that's the hardest to trade. I think that makes the most sense. That would make sense, yeah. Um, according to Chris Johnson, it looks like uh, one million is going to be the official cap bump the NHL gets, as we expected. But that sucks. Um, Elliot Freeman said on Thirty Two Thoughts podcast today, he thinks Elias Lindholm and the Flames are talking. Um, he said he believes that the Flames know that if they want to keep Lindholm, it's going to be Horvat money in that area, and that uh, he wants to be assured that they're going to be competitive. Something could happen after the draft, um, so that's something to monitor, especially for the Bruins. Um, looks like Ivan Barbashev is hitting the market. Makes a lot of sense. He was amazing in the playoffs and is going to get paid. And Vegas just does not have money to give. The Hockey Hall of Fame 2023 class was announced. Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Caroline Ouellette, um, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix, um, who was inducted posthumously as he's no longer with us. Um, surprise to not see Datsuk here. Surprise to not see Alexander McGillney, even though I think he's being blackballed because he's Russian in the political climate, uh, amongst other reasons. But that sucks. I mean, I was talking to you earlier. Alex McGillney mm-hmm. had fucking 76 goals in 77 yeah. games one year. That stat you sent me was ridiculous. He like, was a purebred, ridiculous goal scorer. He, like, defected from Russia. Like, the guy has an incredible story and was one of the best pure goal scorers ever, in my opinion, um, mm-hmm. even though I didn't watch him play, of course. You know, some people might think I'm, you know, crazy for saying that, but I mm-hmm. think it's true. Um, and, yeah, we had here um, Sweeney is blowing up the phone lines around the league, and he's interested in keeping Bertuzzi and Hathaway. I said they don't overstep the fourth line. So with Hathaway, a yeah, surprising. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't happen because it would not be a good use of resources. To wrap up a huge hockey segment today, a bit of a yikes. Depending on how you look at this, um, Bergeron said to Mark Stone that Vegas will win the cup if they hired Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> what do we think about that? I think like I t- either I told you or I told my uncle, and my grandfather this. Like I, I don't know if there were people that still thought, you know, Bergeron was one of those people that went to Don Sweeney after last season and said that oh, this guy has to go. I think if there were people that were thinking that, this pretty much puts that all to bed. Um, and I don't know. Like I, again, I just find it funny. Like the, the Bergeron knew what you had in the room. I've seen some people say, well, maybe you know, just he just kind of fell into he fell into the trap of you know, Cassie's a great coach, but the coaching style got a little old. I don't know. Like I said, for the spite reasons that I have rooted for since day one of the Bruins getting knocked out and Vegas still being there. Like I, I find this hilarious. Cause I think it again, just goes to show how, you know, the, the soft mindset of this team that like you choose to listen to, you know, the players when they complain about the coach being a little too harsh, more so than the coach that seemingly knew what he was doing, you know, again, first year within the new system takes them all the way, wins the whole thing. So very funny, but also like you said, pretty concerning because that's uh, like you said, for, Yikes, big yikes, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, that just shows how much confidence he had in Bruce and tells me that mm-hmm. at least partially he didn't want Bruce to go. And that's, you know, something yep, we that's the biggest takeaway for happen. sure. But I mean, it just it sucks for that to age very correctly. Like even mm-hmm. when when Bergeron's making predictions, he's perfect. Yeah. Um, yep. It just it stinks and it just it makes the Bruins look worse. So mm-hmm. that happened about like four or five days ago, but definitely worth mentioning for anybody. Oh, the timing wasn't it. great either. It's like how long can you sit? Oh, let's hope Vegas wins. We can sit on this all season. Like I don't know when this when I have to think Bergeron was asked obviously before the season started. Um, so again, the timing a couple of days after they win the cup and have their parade like that this drops. So 
like you said, does not make the Bruins look great in any way, shape, or form. No, it does not. Uh, but there's a lot going on, and a lot more is going to go on. We'll get more into, like, prospect stuffs and my first-round mock next week. Like football, I'll try to keep it as quick as possible. I think mm-hmm. I broke a record for my mock drafts with the football one this year. Um, unfortunately for anybody looking forward to it, I will not have an NBA mock draft later in the art in the uh, podcast today. So I know no. you're all disappointed about that. Thank um, God there's stuff happening with the Celtics because I was not going to try to come on here and lie about knowing who the Celtics should take with the 35th pick. Nope, like, you know, we pretty much know who's going one, two, and three at this point. Other than that, the NBA draft is just a, a, a toss up. Like, I really don't pay too much attention to the NBA draft because, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, it's definitely the least in, um, invested in the NBA draft I've been in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of the NBA and the draft, before we get to draft stuff, uh, we did have a big blockbuster trade drop in the league um, over the weekend. Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns to form a new big three in Phoenix. Yep. As you said, he goes to the Suns along with uh, a couple of young players, Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd, to help the Suns figure out what they're going to do with depth because they pretty, I think they have now maybe four, five or six, it might be guys under contract. So they have some some things to iron out there. The return was the funniest part of this. You know, obviously, Bradley Beal is not what he used to be. You know, he's a little bit on decline, health maybe a concern, but still a good player. Uh, he ends up going for Chris Paul, who may or may not get flipped elsewhere. Um, there were talks of maybe the LA Clippers trying to get involved on him, but with this trade with the Celtics today potentially going down, I thought I saw a tweet that said that probably takes the Clippers out of the Chris Paul running if they get um, Malcolm Brogdon. It would make a lot of sense. They both play similar positions, um, and Brogdon's the better player at this point in his career, if you ask me. Uh, Landry Shamit, a depth guard for the Wizards, um, and a good three-point shooter there. Multiple second-round picks and multiple pick swaps. Again, Bradley Beal is not what he used to be, but to me, I don't know if you feel any differently. That's a laughable return. Like, and everyone has said the same thing since this trade has happened. The Wizards screwed themselves. They should have traded him a couple years ago. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago when he signed that. Leverage too with the whole like exactly trade situation he had. He could just pick where he wanted to go and said, "Screw if you don't like it." Oh yeah, it came down. I think I remember hearing it came down to them and in, in uh, not Phoenix, um, them in Miami, and they ended up choosing this one. I can't remember what Miami's offer was if it even came out or not. But like again, it, it the Wizards look horrible in this. Like, like I said, I can't remember if it was two years ago or last year where where Beal signed that extension. It, they should have moved him. It's the same problem I think that Portland's going to fall under of not wanting to trade or Damian Lillard not wanting to go anywhere. Like if you're going to continue to be you know mediocre in in the Wizards' case, just flat out stink. Like you have to bite the bullet, move some of these guys down, you know, earlier than you did. Um, and that's what it ends up being, you know, Phoenix, like you said, they form a new, a new big three with Durant Booker and Beal in really good shape. Uh, of course they have Deandre Ayton as well, uh, but they might have some problems again, you know, they're over the cap luxury tax, stuff like that. I think, like I said, they have five or six guys under contract. So they're going to have to try to figure out what they want to do with a roster crunch. Deandre Ayton may or may not be moved, but like you said, this was the biggest, definitely the biggest until today trade. Uh, maybe still is the biggest trade, depending on how you look at Bradley Beal uh, and Chris Stapps Porzingis. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Aiden, Aiden, Aiden is the logical guy to trade um, mm-hmm. to help with that cap flexibility. Yeah, um, he'd get you the most too. And he's the next in our outline, as you have here, DeAndre. You are dot 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 or aren't a Celtic. Yeah, a lot of conflicting stuff with DeAndre Aiden over the last 24, 48 hours. Uh, Again, with the lack of roster depth, cap flexibility, and then, of course, acquiring Bradley Beal, there was some belief that maybe uh, that DeAndre Ayton could be on the move to help with that flexibility and help give them some roster depth. Celtics may or may not be involved, depending on who you ask. This is from Mass Live's Brian Robb the other day. Uh, he said, quote, the Celtics have no interest in Ayton 
or in an eight and deal per deal or per yeah, excuse me, eight and deal per a league source due to the uh, pricey contract. So any scenario that involves Brogdon going to Phoenix now is dead. Without the third team getting involved, Phoenix could involve moving Aiton elsewhere. Uh, but don't look to Boston to get involved unless Aiton's going to a different team. Then, of course, today, Works NBA. For in- me. Don't exactly. Want this fucking guy. No, because I. Shit happening with him. Exactly. I was a little worried when I saw NBA Insider today. Chris Haynes had their, the tweet that said the Phoenix Suns have spoken to uh, the Boston Celtics about DeAndre Ayton. Then I saw a tweet that said the Celtics had spoken to Phoenix. I don't know if there was just some some wording uh, mishap there. I'm trying to figure out, you know, who is talking to who exactly. I'd have to assume Phoenix was the one asking about the Celtics because, like I said, Phoenix, if you're smart, you'd probably want to try to move that contract to help yourself out a little bit. I'm with you, though. I think we saw it on full display in the playoffs this year alone. If you didn't think DeAndre Ayton was uh, soft, Yes, he was going up against the best, you know, big man in the league and Nikola Jokic, but Nikola Jokic made him look like an absolute child. Um, we've seen it before when things get tough for DeAndre and he kind of folds. Good talent should be better than he has been. You know, it was decent this year, 67 games, 18 points per game, uh, 10 rebounds and just under one block per game. Has three years left on his contract, right around $100 million remaining on his current deal, but Good that the Celtics seemingly passed on us. We'll get to the Porzingis stuff in a second. I, like you, was out on Aiton right from the start for all the reasons I just mentioned. Like I, again, great talent, but a guy that has you know shown to flake before and, and be soft and in pretty big moments. Yeah, it just seems like a head head case attitude wise, and mm. um, you know sometimes his play. I feel like it sounds like it fluctuates as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, a guy that you could make. The similar case for just gonna say yeah ways, maybe to a lesser degree or more is, depending on how you look at them is the likely future Celtic it seems Christoph Porzingis um, with an opt in in trade I didn't realize Porzingis had such a good season last year especially on the Wizards um, yep, career highs in a lot of stats two points shot almost fifty percent from the field and forty yep. from three like I think you're getting him at a good time and even if it's for one year if he cashes out. Um, Next year, if he, you know, if he actually comes here, this doesn't fall through. I think you're getting a guy that gives you options um, with your bigs, especially when you know you never know if Al Horford's going to be healthy as he's getting older and slowing down. And mm-hmm. Rob Williams gets hurt a lot. Yeah, that gives you much more options if one of, the, if not both of those guys are hurt, um, or if it's vice versa, you can, you know, work around with multiple options with your bigs. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. Like you said, you you're, you mentioned Rob Williams getting hurt. Porzingis isn't the healthiest guy either in his career. That's kind of been one of the biggest knocks on him since being drafted. Um, so you're taking a big chance there. But to that, I also say you're trading a guy who was hurt last year. You saw fall off when he was injured. You know, Brogdon, there's still – I haven't seen anything if he's getting surgery on his arm, if he even needs it or not, that tendon that uh, he either ruptured or, or tore or whatever the, you know, severity of it might have been. Yeah, but so you didn't really know how he was going to come back and if he was going to play. Gallinari, you're expected to lose him too because his $6.8 million um, salary is going to help close the gap on the you know the, the salary matching threshold they're trying to go through. He's coming off a torn ACL. You never know how a guy's going to you know come back from that. Obviously, we were hoping that Gallinari would play this this upcoming year, get to see him in a Celtics uniform because he was obviously very excited uh, being a childhood Celtics fan. It stinks that he has to go, but I think this is a deal. I've kind of talked myself into this because I was not a huge Porzingis fan, as we talked earlier. The mentioned the reasons you mentioned earlier about um, Aiton. You know, similar kind of soft player. You know, plays smaller than he is. He's seven three, but you know, he plays kind of like a guard at times. You're not a true big man. On the flip side of that, though, this was a, a an interesting Kevin O'Connor tweet talking about just like you said the growth that Porzingis has had this season coming off 
um, a career high in points per game and field goal percentage. He said, quote, Kristaps Porzingis uh, was fourth in points allowed per pick and roll, uh, 0.93, first in top post scores, 1.29, and fifth in points per closeout, 1.23 uh, via second spectrum. Said so, KP shoots 40% on spot up threes, kills defenses when he attacks closeouts, uh, can now post up with efficiency and is a good defender. Health will be a, will always be a concern, but he just had his best season of his career. This could be his prime. So, you're, like you said, you're getting a guy that you're selling pretty high on or buying pretty high on rather um, because of all the, you know, career stats he set. He's made improvements to his game. Again, he was not a big post player in, you know, his early career. Um, I remember there was a game against Marcus, against Celtics, Marcus Smart locked him up in the post, which like your six, three guard should not be doing against the seven foot three guy. Um, So Porzingis has made, you know, big strides in his career, but again, it isn't done yet. They're still trying to work out, um, some of the kinks here and there of the deal. This was interesting for Mark Stein because a lot of people saw this potentially as a one-year rental for Porzingis. But it is interesting. Mark Stein, a couple hours ago, said, quote, the three-team deal to send Porzingis to Boston is likewise expected to lead to a July contract extension for Porzingis beyond next season's 36 million player option, league sources say. Today was the deadline to invoke the option. The deadline, I believe, was at 7 o'clock, so that, of course, has come and passed. He's going to, it seems like, accept it because this deal would not go through if he didn't. Now it kind of muddies the waters on, you know, what is the Celtics, you know, book looks like next year down the line with obviously the Jalen Brown extension potentially coming down the line, as we'll get to in a second. What do you do with him? Um, but as of right now, I really don't know how you can hate this deal. Like you're getting an upgrade over um, Gallinari. You're getting an upgrade over Brogdon. You know, Brogdon was seen as having a one-year rental guy or a two-year maybe rental guy. Um, you know, wasn't healthy down the stretch, didn't play well even when he was healthy down the stretch. Like, you're trading ultimately the guy that won sixth man for a guy that's probably going to be your starting power forward, starting center this season. I don't know how people can, you know, dislike that deal. I think it maybe comes down to if you like Porzingis as the player or not, but this is definitely a, uh, a big increase for this team. And it gives you, you know, a big man that has some inside scoring. Like we Rob Williams, as we know, is not an offensive threat for the most part outside of lobs. Al Horford took a big step down last year. You got to think that is, um, you know, attribute that to age. Porzingis, you know, gives you, the size of Rob Williams and the scoring ability that Al Horford used to have. So, and then of course the outside shot as well. So I think it's, it's a positive deal, a good start. Um, obviously the first player move that Brad Stevens makes to the off season, of course, the Celtics big moves are coming in the coaching, um, you know, behind the bench, which we'll get to in a second. They made a couple more moves, but this is a positive for me. Like I said, I've talked myself into liking the player and the, the thought of him being in this offense, because it gives you a definite number three option too behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah. I've, Besides the injury stuff, potentially, like, I like it. Um, I don't know how I feel about a long-term extension yet, but mm-hmm. if they do it, they do it. Um, it seems like that is in, in the cards. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good player. It's an upgrade. And like I said, it's, you know, it helps you with your bigs, gives you more options. But um, yep. the ghost of Leroy sent – Yeah, this was quite a scare this morning for because... people who know – it doesn't really make sense because mm-hmm. if they were to do this, Brown would, if I'm not mistaken, would have to not take the Supermax and somehow sign and trade otherwise. Correct. The tweet, if but people don't. It was worth monitoring because PFT tweets through the ghost of his dog. PFT mm-hmm. knows a lot of people in these industries. He's been right before. So they my, sit on Felger and Maz. They looked at it. It was like, oh my god, this guy actually happened. Like he doesn't just throw shit out unless he's trying uh-huh. to fuck with Celtics fans, which is certainly possible. 
Um, uh-huh. So yeah, reasonably sent people into the tailspin. People were like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense because he's still on our contract. Yep. But it was wild. Yeah. They said on Spelger and Maz, they looked it up. Apparently, the, the ghost of Leroy Twitter account is right on like a 70% clip when it comes to the break, the news that they bring. It broke the Aaron Rodgers news. So obviously, like you said, PFT commenter is pretty, not pretty close, but, you know, close to the Aaron Rodgers enough to know that, you know, when that news is going to break. Um, but in case people missed the tweet you were referring to earlier today was, quote, hearing Jalen Brown will leave the Boston, leave the Boston Celtics via a sign and trade. And of course, bark, bark, bark to follow. Um, but Keith Smith, who does a lot of the, the spot track stuff and kind of breaks down the NBA uh, numbers and everything, kind of threw cold water on that earlier uh, tweet following that up. said, quote, Jalen Brown is not a free agent. There will be no sign and trade with him this summer. Uh, he could do an extended trade, but there's no reason to. If he turns down the super max, he can get traded and re-sign as a free agent in 2024 for more money. Also followed that tweet up with, if JB signs the super max, he can't be traded for a year. He can't. Uh, sign the Supermax with anyone but Boston, even in an extended trade. An extended trade would allow him to add years onto the deal. It started about $38.2 million in 2024-2025. That's about $4.7 million under the max of $42.9 million that he can get. Um, I thought I was listening again to Felber and Maz today, and Jimmy Stewart brought up a thing where if they want to trade him, I think, I can't remember how he worded it exactly, but it was basically like he can sign a two-year extension um, for it gets complicated with all the NBA terms and, and contracts and stuff. Um, but the Celtics can't pay him something like 5% less than it's the tax, something weird. Um, so again, it's not exactly, it's not even worth going into. It's not happening. Uh, this is going to be one of the few times that the ghost of Leroy, unfortunately is, or fortunately um, is wrong. Uh, looks like Jalen Brown is here to stay at least for now. But again, with the Porzingis stuff, if they aren't able to get an extension done, or if they do, maybe he's Jalen Brown's replacement down the line. We're not going to think of that though. We're going to celebrate that the Celtics um, have added a third big piece. The other thing that was interesting about Jalen Brown, again, going back to Felber and Maz's producer, Jimmy Stewart, because we've talked about him before and the inside sources that he has, there were some rumblings, according to him, that the Celtics could be trading Brown to Detroit for the number five overall pick in tomorrow night's draft, Cade Cunningham and Isaiah Stewart. You and I talked about this off air. Cade Cunningham, not the greatest offensive player, but definitely a, a young, dynamic, former number one overall pick. Isaiah Stewart would be the big man. Um, that the Celtics could use off the bench if this Porzingis deal weren't to go through. Um, but again, all indications seem like it's going to. This to me seems like more of a pipe dream than anything else. But if it were ever to come, you know, to fruition and to be, I, I kind of think the Celtics would be dumb to pass this up. Yeah, they could do a lot worse. Absolutely. Like again, the number the number five pick is not the flashiest when of course Jalen Brown was the number three pick, but and again, after I said the top three picks that you kind of know who they're going to be tomorrow night, like it gets a little murky there. You don't really know who's going to go where. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Celtics would have to like somebody at five if they want to make that move. But you're getting a good young piece in Cunningham. Again, a good young piece in Stewart and the number five overall pick. You get a rookie you can mold. Yeah. Not like you so. said, not the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it's really not terrible. Mm-hmm. Next up is Grant Williams. Um, this does not involve the 10th pick, but... Um, a sign and trade could be in the works between the Mavericks and the Celtics with Grant Williams. Yep. And this all depends on it. Yeah. It's going to have to happen because he is going to be one of the casualties of the Porzingis trade. Uh, A lot, again, a lot of tweets. I was tweeting today. So I'll run through the timeline. Uh, This was from the athletics and quote, the Mavs have spoken to the Celtics about a sign and trade for Grant Williams. Boston sports scored on Sunday said the Celtics are exploring using Grant Williams in the sign and trade. According to the ringer NBA, Indiana, Orlando, and Dallas have all shown interest in Williams, according to Michael Scotto. And then uh, this was from Adam Himmelsbach earlier today. 
saying, according to multiple league sources, the completion of the Porzingis deal would likely mean that Grant Williams' time in Boston has come to an end. Like I said, the casualty of the move, you kind of, Porzingis not takes his role, because again, I think he's going to start, but then you move Al Horford to the bench, most likely Al Horford probably takes Grant Williams' role. Uh, You're loaded in the front court now. He's going to be the guy that has to go. I saw a tweet that said, maybe if you send him to Dallas, you could get Tim Hardaway Jr., which you moved a guard out in um, Malcolm Brogdon. Do you really want to bring a guard back in and Tim Hardaway Jr., who's 31 years old? It's interesting to look at. Like, uh, he's definitely a guy I would shop. Um, but again, it has to come down to, you know, who can match your salaries? You know, what do you want to, what can you offer Grant Williams? Stuff like that. But you and I, I think, are on different kind of ends of the spectrum when it comes to Grant Williams. Like, I was, you know, not maybe as down on him as you were after the, the whole Miami stuff. Um, you know, Good little player for the Celtics, but again, if this is a guy you have to move to get Porzingis in here, it's an upgrade, and you, you got to be fine with it. Too much money. Get him out of here. See you later. Exactly. Yep. Goodbye. Get Peyton Pritchard out of here, too. See, I think with Broaden going, we talked about this, too, off-air. I think Pritchard's probably here to stay now. You need a backup point guard, and he slots into that. Unless maybe you move Grant Williams for a backup point guard. Um, then you look to you know maybe trade Pritchard for some draft capital or vice yeah. versa. I think Pritchard might be here to stay. Like I, I sent you that tweet that so I can't remember who had it. That was like uh, Peyton Pritchard went to management and was like, it's either me or him. And was able to get the reigning sixth man of the year out of Boston. So if that's how it went down, I doubt it's it. But it's just a joke. Guys. I know. Yeah. I'm saying, but kudos to Peyton Pritchard. If there was ever an inkling that maybe that happened. Um, but no, I think on a seat more, less joking. I think Pritchard's probably here to stay now with uh, the departure of Malcolm Broad. Cause it makes sense. Like, do you, Go with him as your backup point guard, or do you try to thrust? Uh, I think is it PJ Davidson or whoever the the backup. I would backup? much rather see JD Davidson than Peyton. JD Davidson, right? Way yeah. more. Um, All right. On the coaching front, more additions to the staff. Former um, Celtics guard Phil Pressy. Some may fondly remember, some may not. I don't really mm-hmm. remember Phil Pressy that much. Just remember the name. Nice and little Amir backup Jefferson guard, but are joining Celtics staff. Jefferson being a friend of Tatum's. Yep. Just filling out that staff. Works for me. Guys, again, like we've talked about with Cassell and who is the other guy, Lee. Um, yep, Charles Lee. Yep. I haven't heard anything to really like dislike about their basketball abilities as coaches. So cool with me on these additions. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, I don't know how you could hate either one of them because, again, you're not going to knock a coaching decision too much unless it's like a head coach and you just don't think he's good a good fit for the team. Um, the Pressy one was interesting to me because I didn't even know if he was like had any coaching background, couldn't really find anything on it um, when I looked on Twitter or anything. So that might just be like a former Celtic coming back, you know, getting a job from Brad Stevens. The Jefferson one is more interesting because of the reason you mentioned did play with Jason Tatum at Duke, won a national title at Duke in 2015, played a couple of games with the Celtics in 2020. And like you mentioned, is a close friend of Jason Tatum. So that's led some people to think, oh, the Celtics might be trying to do what, you know, most teams do with their superstar and bring guys in that they want. So maybe this was more of a Tatum higher than anything else. If they asked him, hey, who's a guy that's on your radar? Um, this is from Stadium uh, basketball analyst Jeff Goodman, who's formerly of ESPN, CBS, and Fox, labeled Jefferson as a, quote, rising star in the coaching business. So that's a positive there. Um, again, I haven't seen anything that says this guy is not cut out for the job or anything like that. But again, you don't know a ton about any of these assistant coaches coming in. Um, from all, it seems like it's a, a good hire. And again, if Tatum's fine with it, I think that's probably the right direction to go is try to get some guys in that, that Tatum either wants to play with or, you know, wants to have coach him because that is the NBA. You'd like to appease your superstars. Um, and that's a move that I think makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Absolutely. Work for me. Mm-hmm. 
you have some other notes about a few opt oh not opt outs, but declining player options and some guys hitting the market. Well. Yeah, a lot of these guys, the decision was today, kind of the same thing as Porzingis, 7 o'clock was the deadline. Uh, we learned the other day, Bruce Brown of the NBA, uh, champion NBA Nuggets, Denver Nuggets, um, he declined a 6.8 player option. Woj reported today that Denver is, quote, very likely to lose Brown in free agency, which is not fun, uh, kind of funny because um, Carl Malone, you know, if, if you watch the uh, the parade, was talking very highly of Bruce Brown, uh, hyping him up, and now Bruce Brown potentially might leave Denver, go elsewhere. Um Great player, you know, can can start, can come off the bench. Uh, the Celtics probably can't make it work money-wise, but I think he'd be a really good fit here if you could somehow make that work. Um, as you know, one of your, maybe your new sixth man to come off the bench, but again, probably not going to happen. Little surprising, depending on how you look at him, Warriors' uh, Draymond Green declined his $27.5 million player option. I have no idea where he thinks he's going to get that type of money um, from another team. If he thinks that, or maybe he just wants to change the scenery from Golden State. Of course, if you're on Twitter, you've seen that he's been hanging out with LeBron, it seems like, all weekend. So a lot of people seem to think he's going to end up in, with the uh, L.A. Lakers. Any thoughts on on either one of these two guys or maybe Draymond Green and his kind of antics so far? Yeah, I mean, Draymond Green's going to go to the Lakers. I think that's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Van Fleet, I imagine, is going to have a lot of options. Kyle Kuzma yep. looking for $30 million, as you have listed here, is pretty hilarious. Psycho behavior, yep. Van Fleet could probably get it because that was the thing about him is he's yeah. probably going to is expected to command thirty plus per year in free agency. Good solid point guard can score can you know run the floor good on defense that makes a lot of sense. Kuzma getting thirty million that he wants, no chance that happens because he is not and he's a good player but he is not thirty million dollars a year good. Wow, that's freaking bizarre. Mm-hmm. But Bruce Brown, I mean, I like the idea of Bruce Brown. He's a local mm-hmm. guy too. That's true. Yep. If you want to take the Bruins approach and sign a local guy, like maybe uh, again, he's going to want more money obviously than 6.8. I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to offer him that, but maybe yeah. you approach him and you're like, Hey, you could play for the hometown team. If you want to take a yeah. super hometown discount, you know, we need some, uh, some people to fill out this bench that we've not blown up, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. could use a couple extra pieces here and there. And then some minor ones. Uh, Montrez Harold declined his 2.7 from the 76ers. Uh, Bulls for Derek Jones Jr. declined his 3.3 player option. And then Toronto's guard, Gary Trent Jr. Toronto might be heading for a rebuild. Uh, oh, he accepted, excuse me. So he is, he's going to stay. Maybe he's the replacement for uh, Van Fleet, who is most likely gone there. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned like the local guys approach, because when I read Corey Promen's full seven round NHL mock draft today, I was like, okay, who are these Bruins picks or future college guys? And two of the five uh, picks they had were. So, BCBU. Um, like, yeah, one's going to Northeast and one's going to Providence. So um, yeah. to see those guys being Bruins, but like I said, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that stuff next week. But, yep. you know, maybe the Celtics take the local approach and add a guy like Bruce Brown. But right now they have bigger financial uh, priorities on their minds. Um, mm-hmm. We did have a trade today outside of the Celtics. Uh, the Nuggets and the Pacers swapped some picks. Um, the Nuggets will get 29-32 uh, for pick 40 and a 20-24 first. Yep, nothing too crazy there. Just, again, thought it was worth noting in case people missed it. And then some other player and just overall draft news that dropped uh, today and uh, over you know, the weekend, over the you know first couple of days of the week. Uh, like I said earlier, surprising maybe 
But Damian Lillard just loves riding the loyalty part yeah. of the uh, the league, which makes no sense to me at this point. Like, I'll, I'll give him credit there, but at, some, at what point do you just say enough is enough? Uh, he is reportedly staying put in, in Portland saying, quote, the Blazers, this is from Adrian Wojnarowski saying, quote, uh, the Blazers have shut down all trade calls on Damian Lillard, so he is not available. Miami strikes out on yeah, both Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, which you just you hate to see. Chris Paul go to Miami? He might be able to. I wouldn't see if he gets bought. I mean, he could obviously still get traded by Washington. I, again, I don't know what the situation there is. If he's looking to get traded, if you're looking to buy him out or what the deal trade is for him. I can't imagine any, unless you're trading like a like late second round pick. Yeah. I can't imagine his, his trade value is all that high. Yeah. But yeah. Any, I mean, you, you were shaking your head when I said uh, the loyalty thing, any thoughts on Damian Lillard still sticking with Portland? No, yeah. He just like, it goes back and forth every off season on him. It's like, Oh, he's finally going to get traded, but no, he wants to stay loyal. Like it just goes back and forth. I've been talking about this with my coworkers. Like he's just going to do this every year until something finally changes. If it does. Yeah. Uh, but God, like guys needs to get out of there. Oh, he is high in a certain draft pick, pick. Yeah, as we'll, uh, we'll get to in a second that maybe he could, Spell brighter days in Portland coming up. Uh, Bulls guard Zach Levine, who's found himself and maybe some trade rumors, uh, could get dealt from the Bulls if they were received, quote, a good young player, multiple first pick, uh, first round picks and salary filler if they decide to trade him per uh, Casey Johnson, who's a Bulls insider, works uh, rights for the Bulls. Um, I saw some people maybe float the idea of Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, that type of package. I wouldn't hate Zach Levine. You know, he's a good player, you know, shoots a three, uh, tough little player. You are maybe on the opposite side of that. No, I, Zach Levine gets hurt all the time. That's true, too. I'm also, like, not too high on giving up multiple first-round picks for him. Like, oh, the ability man. is there when he's healthy, as you said. You know, the skill is definitely there, but that's definitely... So Porzingis. That's true, yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like one of the narratives I've heard about Zach Levine, too, is he's not a good playoff performer. Is that true as well? It's hit or miss. There's He'll have games where he'll come out and drop like 40, and then the next game drop 15. So that would fit with the Celtics bill. Like, Yeah, I don't know about that. But that's a deal you make if like, okay, now you, you again, like the shake-up talk, something has to change. You have to make yeah. some sort of drastic move. Like trading Brown for Zach Levine would be that drastic move, but we're, we're definitely not there yet. Mm-hmm. Give it one more year, see if you can, you know, again, kick the can down the road a little further. This was an interesting one because this was not the superstar I would be trading if I was the Clippers looking to trade. Uh, but Paul George could be dealt from L.A. as, quote, the Clippers are gauging his trade value and are giving real consideration to the idea of disassembling, uh, or disassembling the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George tandem per Mark Stein. Kawhi Leonard, as I mentioned, is the guy I would be looking to move. I don't know how much you could get for a guy that is always hurt or, you know, not really playing any other night because of the load management stuff. Um, any thoughts on the interest of, of Paul George or just kind of feel yeah, like the Clippers I, might be just testing the water there to see what they can get for him? I guess I'm a little bit surprised, but I don't know with Brendan Miller thinking he's the goat, maybe the uh, Charlotte Hornets should trade for Paul George. Yeah, maybe. But this boy, or that was a wild comment. Mm. It's also wild to me, segueing into the Brendan Miller stuff, how Michael Jordan still seemingly has a lot of say in things, which you know makes sense to an extent, but he's selling his share of the team. As far yeah, as I was wondering the same exact thing earlier. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Cause I saw that. Uh, I'm sure you saw the same tweet that he he's going to factor into who they pick. They take in the first round tomorrow night, which again, like you sold your part of the team. I don't know why you would have that, but it is Michael Jordan. So maybe you have that luxury of being the best basketball player to ever play it. Um, 
But talking about the Hornets and talking about Brandon Miller, the, the note on him was he has, quote, solidified his standing as the Hornets' second overall pick for Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, Miller impressed Michael Jordan and company during his second private workout yesterday, and Charlotte reportedly prefers his fit alongside LaMelo Ball over Scoot Henderson. I've seen a lot of people say Scoot Henderson is probably the better player, uh, but anytime he came up in, you know, potentially the number two overall pick to the Hornets, it just didn't make sense because you have LaMelo Ball. Like, I get Henderson's a, a dynamic player, could probably play shooting guard, or you could probably go positionless and have the both of them out there in the backcourt, but you, you probably want LaMelo Ball as your primary ball handler. That That's his skill. That's where, you know, where he is, is best at. Um, so getting a guy in Miller to play alongside him would make more sense to me, at least. I suppose. I mm-hmm. suppose. Yep. And then on Scoot Henderson, the last kind of note of the NBA, as we talked about with Portland, he and Damian Lillard have reportedly been communicating regularly per March sign. It seems to think that he is probably going to end up going number three to Portland. So Damian Lillard will have, you know, a nice little piece to build around there and Scoot Henderson, unless they maybe trade him. I saw maybe talk of trading that third pick to uh, New Orleans, maybe getting Zion. You know, his his name has come up in trade talks and, you know, all other uh, reasons that we won't go into. That's none of our business, and we don't. I don't really care all that much. Um, but yeah, like I said, the NBA draft. I'm not going to talk about it too much outside of those three, you know, those two picks. I think we all know consensusly who's going to go number one, and I don't really, you know, care to spend that too long on who the Celtics might take at 35 because who knows if they'll make the pick. Maybe they'll trade it. Um, maybe there'll be uh, a Nikola Jokic situation where it's a Taco Bell commercial going on while the pick is made anyway. So who knows? Yeah, that would be great. That means the Celtics would have a star. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair to Dame, um, they are starting to build something, I guess, in Portland. You get Scoot, yeah. you have Damian Lillard. Nurkic is a good player. Anthony Simons is a good player. Yep. I don't know who the fuck else they have, but that's something, exactly. at least. Like, he's clearly got a lot of loyalty. He's clearly got a lot of fame. So we'll see True. if it works out for him. I just don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. Um so unless you have any other basketball thoughts, we will get to what we were originally going to start with, but we flipped mm-hmm. the script here. No, nothing. I was just, look, Jones. just looking on Twitter to see if there was anything official yet about uh, Porzingis, but nothing has come down yet. So again, I got to assume they're still trying to figure out the numbers and who may be going where along with uh, Marcus Morris. I think going to Washington, it was part of that, that three-team deal. So if anything drops, I will alert you. But on to football as we go for the biggest idiot of the week, who's going to be our yeah. moment of the week. Allegedly. Um, idiot. Yeah, allegedly. That's right. We can't speculate right. anything, but uh, I'll let you, I'll defer to you. You want to uh, give your thoughts. Right? Do you want to jump into the moment of the week? Um, yeah. That was more so about his so, district defense attorney than, yeah. than Jack Jones, but we'll start Essentially, there. Essentially moment of the week is football. Um, it just mm-hmm. segues into one of our biggest topics, which was his defense attorney being Jack Jones's uh, Rosemary C. Scapiccio. Uh, Roz from Monsters her, Incorporated, or Ursula, or Ursula. Um, that was a good one. Yep. The way she handled this, and I understand to an extent why she did, was mm-hmm. extremely bizarre to me. A little because over the top, don't you think? It was over the top. It was aggressive towards the media, mm-hmm. without any specific examples of these accusations she was making from people, maybe yep. people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I haven't been looking around to see if anybody's calling him a thug or being racist to Jack Jones, which is the wrong way to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. But man, she she laid the fuck into these people, and like it was right so, away too. There I was no grace period. Seen, I have not seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. 
It was yeah. crazy. And you get the look on Jack Jones's face. Like he's either like just shutting his mouth just because, or mm-hmm. he's like, did I get the wrong person here? Or She had to have told him beforehand. He does he agree? Like, is he just like ho-hum because like, yes, yeah, I mean, she's my attorney. Like she's saying what she wants to say. And, you know, she's the expert on, you know, legal proceedings. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going through his mind. But I would at least, if I'm him, be a little bit shocked by like how aggressive she was, which is fair. Because, yeah. You know, some people are yep. criticizing him for the wrong reasons and jumping to conclusions. But mm-hmm. I have never seen a defense attorney, lawyer, whatever, outside of a courthouse, do what she did. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. She went in on these people, did not provide any specific examples of these tweets and people on social media. And... It was crazy. It was absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. And, you know, this isn't to say her, you know, her claims about, you know, institutional racism in our world and things like say, that, yep. she, that she mentioned a lot. She's right true, there. They yep. absolutely are. But mm-hmm. in this case, though, that does not apply. This was kind of bizarre. Like, it yeah, does in I've... some ways, but in other ways, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It was it was a really unexpected angle to an extent for me to see from her. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, like, it blew me away. It blew me away. I've never seen anything like it. Which power to yeah. her, you know, if she Absolutely. feels that strongly, you know, she has to defend her client. That's what she's getting mm-hmm. paid to do. Um, and that's her profession. But like, it was, it was so shocking to me. I All was, things like, I've seen, silent watching it, just like it was uncomfortable to watch it. Tyler, it was I texted very you, like, the, to watch. the amount of times, and again, like, like if. You said everything that I was going to, like you said about she. She's right with the systemic racism and everything like that. Um, and like I said, I don't know if that necessarily applies when your client is openly bringing a gun to an airport, allegedly. Um, like it, the amount of times she mentioned, like just the, either the term thug or wannabe gang member, and just again throwing like the black male stuff out there. Which again, like you're going to defend your client how you want to defend him, and you know the angles you want to take on it. I get where she's coming from, um, but. Unless I was looking at the wrong stuff on Twitter, I didn't see more of it was this guy's an idiot for bringing a loaded gun to it. No one was calling him a thug at the time it happened or a wannabe gang member. Like maybe some people were saying about John Morant, two totally different um, situations for what they did with guns. Um, But yeah, I was with you. Like it was just completely, I told you my favorite part of the whole thing um, is when she came out and I don't know who the reporter was that asked her like, okay, so what do you have to say about um, the fact that they found the, the guns with his name on it in the bag. And she was like, yeah, they found the guns with his name on it. What, like, what about it? It's like, it, it well, didn't... well, yeah, well, exactly. And then she had guns just, in an airport. <laughs> yep, exactly. They're loaded guns in an airport. And that, that'll lead into just, cause I don't have any other thoughts on just the woman of the week stuff, other than that his district, his defense attorney was just insane way of going about well, it. Again, I, I get where she's coming from. Cause she's trying to do her job. Um, but day one hours in just flying off the handle does not set a yeah. good tone right out of the gate. And the ne- the next step here in court is August 18th. So that's the next date. Mm-hmm. Um, it's reasonable to say, or to su- suspect hearing this, that like he could have been treated as a terror threat at an airport Absolutely. with guns. Absolutely. Like it's logical for people to, you know, with his past, I'm not saying for the, you know, the race related reasons, like mm-hmm. he's had some run-ins with the law and been kicked, out of, before, kicked yeah. out of school. Like calling him a thug isn't the right word, but you know, Mm -hmm. painting him in that sort of light isn't the craziest thing. No, there is a history. He's not this this bill of morality. 
Mm-hmm. And sure, a lot of this is alleged right now. We don't know all the details, but like for people to to you know paint him in a in like a criminal light isn't totally crazy. He's had run-ins with the law multiple times for years that affected his mm-hmm. draft stock. A guy that could have got a lot high gone a lot higher. Yeah, than he's the reason why he's here right now. Yeah. Like it was just a really bizarre situation. Mm-hmm. And Look, in the end, I hope this is like an accident, what happened, how these guns somehow ended up in his bag, whatever, and he can stick around. But I really don't see that happening. And I don't know how they keep him around. I, I really just don't, don't get how, like, and again, like you said, everything's all legend. So we're just kind of, we're going off what we know here. But like, I just, I don't see how that argument, they're going to use it. They're going to try to use it. I don't see how that argument holds up. It's like, you don't, I had this discussion with multiple people. It's like, we've, we've, obviously you've traveled to the airport. You don't not know what you put in your carry on bag. Like if this was put like in the bag that you give the customs before you get on the plane, like that's a different story. But the fact that you brought two loaded guns in your carry on onto the plane, like, you know what you were doing. Like, it's not like, like, yeah, it's not like those. Just, oh, oh crap. I brought this on with me. And these two guns just happened to appear like, no, you not purpose. I don't know. Maybe not purposely, but like, you get what I'm getting at here. Like you had to have had some sort of indication or knowledge that these are with me. Um, it is the whole thing. just doesn't make sense. Like you said, like this is, it sucks, but this is where we're at because of the, the history he's had. And like you mentioned, this is the reason he's here right now is he's fell yep. on the draft board because of these, these problems that he's had before. Yep. Per Massachusetts state police, he was charged with two counts of possession of a concealed weapon in a secure area of an airport. Luckily he cooperated with the police, um, mm-hmm. which is always good to hear. In a situation yeah. That could have like been this. way worse. If yep. um, possession of ammunition without a firearm identification card, yikes. Um, unlawful possession of a firearm carrying a loaded firearm and possession of a large capacity feeding device, which carries two and a half years in prison. Um, mm-hmm. Sam for the Patriots said, we have been notified that Jack Jones was arrested at Logan airport earlier today. We are in the process of gathering more information. We'll be not commenting further at this time. Um, anything else you want to add here? As we talk about the legal stuff. No, I was just going to add, cause I went, to, I meant to look everything up. Uh, just what he, cause Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about how big of trouble he could be in. That's what we're getting. Um, at least I was going to plan on getting into with uh, Michael McCann stuff, um, you know, the the law expert. Um, but looking it up, just kind of if people didn't know or don't know the laws, what Jack Jones could be facing um, if he is convicted of all this stuff, you know, found guilty of having all this stuff. Possession of a concealed weapon in a secure area of an airport serves up to five to ten years in prison on a $10,000 fine if convicted on both accounts. Possession of ammunition without an FIC uh, up to four years. And a thousand dollar fine if convicted of both accounts. Unlawful possession of a firearm is up to four years and a thousand dollar fine. Carrying a loaded firearm uh, up to five years if convicted of both accounts. And then uh, the possession of a large capacity feeding device that actually serves up to two to twenty years, somewhere in between there. I love to know how they figure that out. Um, the year, the total of years, and then a fine between uh, two thousand and twenty thousand dollars. So he is in quite a lot of bit of trouble if these all come to be. Uh, and according to, like I said, sports law expert uh, Michael McCann, who was on NBC Sports Boston, Boston Sports Tonight, uh, talking about it. This was the comment he had on on Jack Jones. He said, Jones is in a lot of tw- uh, trouble. Uh, he's in a lot of trouble because he's charged with multiple offenses and they're serious offenses. What we know so far is that he's facing serious charges that carry potentially time in prison. Uh, I think that's something that has to be really worrisome and beyond how this will affect his career with the Patriots and his eligibility to play in the NFL. He also went on to say the problem here is just the type of firearms that he allegedly bought on 
uh, and the alleged fact that they were loaded. There's all sorts of characteristics to this that make it worse than some of the other situations that the NFL uh, players have faced. So not a great picture there. Um, obviously, like he said, there's been players that have done it before. I think the most, the one that you can kind of attribute it to the most was the Quinnen Williams situation with the Jets, where he was arrested for a criminal possession of weapons uh, in March when trying to board a flight in LaGuardia Airport. A little bit of research on him for people that didn't know or what happened there. He had a permit for the handgun, uh, but not the correct paperwork uh, for it in New York. It didn't cover multiple states. And he took a plea deal, which saw the charges drop and switched to a disorderly conduct, uh, which is a violation in New York, not a crime. So a little similar, a little different. Uh, Quinn Williams obviously was able to get off with what he did for the most part. Different situation than what Jack Jones is dealing with for all of the, you know, the, the problems, as you mentioned, all the things that he was brought up uh, with the, with the multiple counts for. Yeah, it's pretty wild, and I'm not a legal expert, but I I really find it hard to find a situation where he doesn't get like jail time here. Like at least a yeah, little there's bit. no like again, we're not going to go into the crazy. the politics of anything I, with I the Massachusetts gun laws, but one like thing too, but like that also mentioned thirty years. I don't know if he's going to get that. I saw that. Like, yeah, I'm like that's I don't remember that might be worst case. Were, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, he he almost has to get some jail time, right? Like you would the think very minimum, like, he had loaded guns in the airport, whether he mm-hmm. meant for them to be there or not. Yep. And he didn't have a, an identification card. That's what's going to be, I think, the big thing. Like a, the couple of things I've seen, like that is what's going to be stressed the most. I think that in the um, the feeding device thing, which is the worst of, of all of them, obviously for the jail time aspect alone. Like those are the two things that I don't think you can get any like get around. Like, and like again, right, we're getting excited about the future of this cornerback group mm-hmm. with him. With Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones, all the Joneses, and then you had Christian Gonzalez. Like that secondary was going to be really good, and now you're mm-hmm. almost definitely losing Jack Jones. It, it fucking sucks. Yeah, that's and, what pisses you off the most. It's like you know yeah, the, the talent of the player, and again, it goes back to all the problems that he's had. It goes, and then you factor in. I'm sure people saw at the John Morant tweet that he basically called out John Morant. I think literally a month to the day. I think it was. Uh, talking about, you know, John Morant's firearm situation. I'm not going to read the quote. You can go find it on Twitter, but basically like saying you need to just like smarten up and, you know, not throw your professional sports career away. A month later, Jack Jones is doing the exact same thing. So like it, it makes you mad that I feel like this is something and everything that he's kind of been involved in um, with the, you know, burglary of the Panda Express, the suspended for team conduct stuff, like all things that I feel like could be avoidable. Academic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Allegedly mouthing off to Belichick, which if true is fucking nuts. Yeah, exactly. Um, The The ball's on you. Rookie to like. Allegedly though. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Do you want to stress that? Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not good. It's not good at all. No. So that's the thing. It's like the only question you really have is where the Patriots go from here. Like I, and his, uh, Defense attorney, I keep forgetting the name, her, uh, Rosemary Scapiccio. She kind of alluded to what might happen. Or I think she gave maybe a little bit of a hint of what the Patriots might be doing. Uh, during that tirade, talking about the media and everything, this was an Andrew Callahan tweet. Uh, she said, quote, she expressed gratitude to the Patriots and organizational leaders after claiming Jones was, quote, unquote, almost fired. Uh, so that, to me, I think maybe tells. It. Fired? it is, yeah, because you don't get fired. Like, Burger King. Exactly. Um but I don't know, like, uh, do you read into that, that maybe the Patriots, have, you have to assume, obviously, the Patriots have already talked to him. They put the statement out as you read. Yeah. Um, that, to me, kind of tells, though, like, the Patriots might be in kind of wait-and-see mode here. Yeah. I think they're wait- they might be waiting till that August 18th here. Mm-hmm. 
Bad timing of that too, huh? That's the yeah. second. I thought I saw it was the second Patriots preseason game, but then I yeah, heard today on WEI it's the day like before. That. So yeah. it may be a little bit of a grace period there, but I did find that interesting. Um, and then the other, obviously, Andrew Callahan tweet too, talking about it. So according to the police report, Jack Jones was, quote, in possession and in control of the duffel bag when he placed it onto the belt in the x-ray machine. His attorney then argued he had no intention of bringing any guns into Logan Airport, which, again, you're going to say that as the defense attorney. I don't. Allegedly. Again, allegedly. Allegedly nope. didn't have any intention. We don't know yet. Yeah, I, I just I don't believe that, that. Obviously, Like, um, I just. Yeah, I find that hard. That's to what do. sucks, too. Like, you, there's, obviously, you're not rooting for. I mean, I don't. That's going to sound bad the way I word that, but like, I, I don't root for stupidity in any way, shape, or form. And you bringing loaded guns into an airport, which like the one of the last places you would should even think to do that. Like, I just I can't get around the how stupid of a thing that is to do. And like, I, I just I don't see how he gets off on this. Like you said, I don't see how he doesn't face jail time at least, or a, definitely get a fine. Um, but there's just way too many things. Like you read all these specialists and all these experts, way too many things stacked against him um, that I don't think bodes well for him or the Patriots. And like you said, it sucks too, because you were hoping that, you know, the Patriots had found something with this guy. He was a decent corner for the games that he played in last season, you know, promising prospect um, to maybe pair with Christian Gonzalez, be that number two corner. And now that seemingly is all uh, going to be for naught because it does not seem like he is going to play for this team. You know, if they decide to let him go or if he, you know, has to face jail time or, you know, whatever the situation might end up being. Exactly, Mundo. It's not looking good. Good luck to his attorney. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, the one thing too on her, like for uh, just a, a quick little joke here to lighten the mood, like part of me kind of hopes after this giant tirade she goes on, the next time they're in court, she kind of just walks in and is like super polite and it's like, how's everybody doing today? Like everyone just completely yeah. flipped the script, throw people off. One. Not going to happen, but just throw people off for an absolute, be like, who the hell is this lady? Hmm. Holy yes, shit. I can't imagine. Like I said, I've seen she has a. I saw her on Twitter. There's a Netflix documentary that she was featured in, like one of the I more well known. Yeah, so she, apparently she's very good at her job. So you know, as crazy as she might sound, or as aggressive as she might sound, Jack Jones seemingly has a a good defense attorney. But this is such an uphill battle. I just I don't know how any positives come out of this. I don't either. Um, speaking of positives, though, try to end in a positive. Yep, DeAndre Hopkins. Still not out of the question that he's a Patriot. Was there Wednesday and Thursday last week? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a productive Good. visit. You know, didn't leave with an agreement, but uh, he was posting with Matthew Judon. Looked pretty mm-hmm. happy. Um, there's been cryptic tweets from Mac Wilson, Matthew Judon um, about it. We'll see what happens. But the most interesting this week thing this week was that Delvin Cook wants so to be bringing a up. friend with him. Yeah, but, and. I don't think it's impossible to make it work because if you're getting Hopkins, you're almost undoubtedly getting rid of one of Bourne or Parker. Maybe mm-hmm. it's more so Parker given his reaction to the news. Um, and Lawrence Guy, like what if they just, you know, they don't want to deal with this Lawrence Guy stuff and um, him potentially wanting more money for what could be his last contract of his career. And they're like, mm-hmm. we'll cut ties with you too. Like give Christian Barmore more of a role and um, guys in the other guys in the interior. But I don't know. And th- they have interest in DJ Fluker too. What if they just replace him with DJ Fluker on a cheap deal? Mm-hmm. Would be the worst thing. Yeah, like, absolutely. There are guys we're not even thinking about that they could cut ties with to make room. I don't know who that could be, but mm-hmm. my God, the idea of Hopkins and Cook being on this team is crazy. And if you have Hopkins, you can get Cook. 
Yeah, it's, it's not, not like, out of the oh, possibility. Yeah, I want to play with Hopkins unless he goes to this team. Mm-hmm. You will go where Hopkins goes as far Seems as... Seems like it. You and hope it's Adam not like Schefter a smoke and mirrors and thing, but... Fowler are backing this up. Oh, this perfect. Is, then, this so. is no fluke. It could happen. And Sign me up then. Like, the, why is it still not done then? Some people, you know, might think this is crazy. The Patriots are a Super Bowl contender if they get both of them. I wouldn't dispute that. Got a solid defense. You know, your offense like, hopefully bounces back. Like, again, just looking at it on paper from last year, this year, if you can add uh, Dalvin Cook, D-Hop, Juju Smith-Schuster to your offense last year that struggled, you know, moving parts here and there. Like, that's obviously a, a huge win. Dude, and if you have Dalvin Cook and Ramondre Stevenson, you can forget tally 100, 180 rushing yards a game. Between yeah, Matt could hand the ball off 30 times and be all set, ready to go. Like, yeah. Like, you just have a crazy amount of options. And now you have two really good tight ends, too. Mm-hmm. It's something. I just hope they get one of them. <laughs> like, Absolutely, if, exactly. If they don't get yeah. Hopkins somehow and they get Cook, I'd be cool with that, too. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I'd like the term on Cook. I don't know if he wants what he wants for years. But You wonder if he right takes now, like a one-year deal just to kind of play with Hawk because I don't know what the term would be. on. You got to think it would be know, like a yeah. two-year deal on Hopkins. Maybe, I mean, Cook would probably want to be here as long as – be wherever Hopkins goes as long as he does. So maybe they're, you know, a tandem thing. But Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's really something. It really mm-hmm. is something. I was going to ask you, do you have any thoughts? Because the other thing that kind of dropped on Hopkins, which may throw some some water on maybe him coming to the Patriots and maybe will worry you a little bit. Albert Breer had this to say uh, when talking about Hopkins. I think he was on Boston Sports Tonight or was on one of the uh, NBC Sports Boston shows. Has said, quote, this tells me that he's holding – when obviously this doesn't refer to him visiting here, uh, but leaving without a contract, he said, quote, this tells me he's holding out hope he's going to play for a true contender like a Buffalo or a Kansas City. Uh, the one thing to watch is Kansas City almost has no cap space. Uh, they're working on a long-term deal for Chris Jones to lower the cap number. If this happens, the door could open back up for him being Hopkins uh, to go to Kansas City, which kind of worries me a little bit. The other report, this is from the Athletics, Tim Graham said two anonymous NFL executives indicated that Hopkins would like something close to a one-year deal that OBJ signed with uh, with Baltimore, uh, which is worth $15 million plus $3 million in incentives. Any thoughts on either one of those? More so the Burt Breer comments about him potentially holding out for a, a true contender. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that right now. The mm-hmm. thing I am worried about is 15 plus $3 million in incentives because I yep. don't think Belichick will do that. No, and I think that probably throws you out of getting both the him Cook and, and yeah. Cook. But I wonder, too... Back on the flip side of that, like I wondered, like you said, if Hawkins comes here, or rather if if Hawkins obviously now knows this, that Dalvin Cook wants to come, like anywhere those two guys go, unless it's to just an absolute garbage, like Arizona, or back to Arizona, it wouldn't happen. But um, just work with me here. Like a garbage team like that, yeah. those two guys make any team outside of that like a contender. So you have to wonder if even if, you know, it's New England, it's Tennessee, if both guys want to go there, they kind of throw out the – uh, Hopkins is waiting for a contender, a true contender to sign him. Like, you know what I'm, I'm kind of fumbling my words here, but you know what I'm, no, the point I'm trying to get across. I absolutely okay. get what you mean. I mean that you just, Oh God, I can't even mm-hmm. like that offense would just really be something. It would. And, yeah. My God, something. It really is. I can't even put the words together for it right now. Um, and who knows, maybe the Patriots would have to do more than cutting bait with a receiver and Lawrence Guy, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I have faith in Bill. At this point, you have like to make it work. 
Exactly. Like if you know this guy wants to be here, like you said, all indications seem to the meetings went really well. I thought I saw a tweet that he had like a long one-on-one with Bill Belichick. So that obviously has to bode pretty well. Like, as I said last week, this is the most excited I've been about or most like hoping that something happens or has a good feeling that something's going to happen with a deal getting done. Cause like, it makes too much sense. I feel like for both teams, like Hopkins obviously yeah. seems to seem to enjoy being here, seems to have a good connection with Bill, with guys like Matt Judon, as you mentioned, Patriots obviously still need a number one receiver with the injuries. Like I said, on last week's show, like you don't really know about Juju. You don't really know about Taekwon Thornton. It would make sense to maybe exceed yourself a little bit. And then too, like just, I thought about this the other day. They don't go hand in hand together, but you have this negative publicity with Jack Jones. Why wouldn't you want to try to build that back up and, you know, try to have a positive, Hey, we signed DeAndre Hopkins, maybe try to push the Jack Jones thing to the backside a little bit just to get somebody, you know, some sort of positive talk about the Patriots going back up. They could have their Bruins Bertrand Krejci moment last year where they were just dropping uh, pictures and gifts. Yeah. And then pictures of them and just everybody freaks out. Mm -hmm. Um, They can make this work. And I don't know if there's a suitor for Hopkins out there that can make it work as easy as the Patriots. So that's, yeah, they want to yeah, I mean, obviously the Patriots have the. I've, I was everyone is talking about it. The most money they could offer, and then like you've heard nothing else outside of the Patriots in Tennessee. And that, like I said last week, I don't know why he'd want to go to Tennessee. I'm sure a great place to be, but that football team I think is in is worse shape than the Patriots would be if, like you said, they would get him and uh, Dalvin Cook. Oh boy, let's let's just get a decision by next show. How about that? That would be. That's crazy. what I said earlier. I'm like, I'd like the Patriots right now. Earlier when the uh, rumors about um, Porzingis trade, like I've I said it earlier, I'm like, I'd like the Patriots just to one up the Celtics right now and be like, hey, I know you guys just traded for Porzingis, but we're signing D Hop, so take that, like throw it all on the table, type of thing. But as of right now on Twitter, nothing has come to be about anything. So unfortunately, once again. No breaking news outside of that. Uh, the Pistons, Cavs, and Pacers have made inquiries about Tobias Harris, which has nothing to do with us. But again, with the NBA stuff, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, I also just saw that. But hmm. that is going to wrap it up. Episode 148, a loaded episode here for you. A week ahead of the NHL draft. We got the NBA draft tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about that next week and preview the NHL draft, my mock draft and stuff. Maybe some Bruins news, maybe a trade, maybe a buyout or something, maybe both. Um, we shall see. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. You can find us on the full press coverage, Twitch and YouTube channels as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Craddy. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Savaggio and the show at Sal and Craddy pod. Uh, you can find us on TikTok as well. Throw the name into the search bar. And until next time, big episode next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, be nice to people, all that good stuff. And let's just Will Hopkins and Cook to the Patriots um, <laughs> into existence and Bergeron and Krejci, or one of them at least, both staying. Um, yep. See you next week. Peace out. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.